Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Lord, that's what we do now. We turn to our, our eyes to you, and we ask you, Lord, just to help us. Help us, Lord, as we open your word. This is your word, Lord. Pour out your spirit to us to make known your words to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. 4, verse 1. Then was Jesus led up on spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written... He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest in any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto them, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Okay, so here we are in this second temptation now, and it starts off in verse 5 with the word then. That's important because it's introducing to us the second temptation, which follows the first temptation. That's an important point. You should write that down. (laughs) And we learn just because the Lord won over the first temptation, that didn't insulate him and keep him from the second temptation. Why? Because as we covered the Shogun saying, after a victory, tighten the straps of your helmet. All right, so we thought, okay, the devil was put down in the first temptation, so now he'll go away, but he doesn't. And that's where this word then is important because it shows us the devil doesn't give up and go away. You know, and this is the pattern in our lives, is that we face in our lives one battle after another, and we resist and overcome one temptation, and then we can be sure the next battle and the next temptation is right around the corner. Because the devil's motto is, if if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. And so this is what he's doing. So now the second temptation, okay, the devil didn't succeed in the first temptation, here comes the second one, and the second temptation is totally different 
from the first temptation. And this is interesting because it shows us that the devil actually thinks about his losses and he regroups and he re-strategizes for his next attack, which he hopes is going to be better. He hopes it's going to be effective and more effective than the first time. So the significance again of this word then in verse 5 is it shows us that, you know, the devil really does have a post-play evaluation. You know, he, he, he goes over it. He, he looks at the first defeat and, he, and he, he structures the second temptation. So we can see what the second temptation, the result of regrouping, the results of re-strategizing because of this post-game evaluation. The devil has really learned two points from his failure in the first, first one. First, the Lord has said in verse 4, you know, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So what he's learned is that, oh, the devil has learned from verse 4, that the Lord Jesus, he, he believes, man shall live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He's thinking, he's thinking, you know, the devil's thinking, hmm, you know, okay. So I'm going to use that in my second temptation. So based on that, the devil structures his next temptation to take advantage of the Lord's strong confidence in the care of God. So the devil regroups, and he's got this new second temptation. And this time, in essence, what the devil is doing is he's saying, okay, now, by saying that God feeds him with words from his mouth, I see he's very confident in God's care. So I'll make a temptation that's based on the care of God. So let's see, what, what will that temptation be? Oh, I know. How about the care of God to not allow him to be hurt if he should fall off the highest point of the temple? Yeah, that's good. Because he's confident in the care of God. So let's say if he's really ready to show his confidence in God's care if he falls off the highest point of the temple. I'll tempt him like that. See, that's the first cause for the devil to, to choose this structure for the next temptation. Now, second... The devil takes note of the fact that he, uh, of the words that he used, the Lord used in verse 4 when he said, it is written. So after the first temptation, the devil sees how the Lord uses it is written. So he regroups his second temptation, and, he, and in essence he's saying, hmm, by Jesus saying it is written, that means he respects the word of God. So I'll make, I'll make a temptation that's based on that. I'll make a temptation that's also based on it is written. I'll say with this second temptation, it is written, which is what he does. In verse 6, when it says, He saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written. He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest any time thou doubtest thy foot against a stone. So the devil thinks, well, how can he resist that? That's the word of God. That's what he respects. That's what he's being guided by. This is perfect. So that's why in the second temptation, he says it is written because you saw the Lord said it is written. For the second temptation, we read here that in verse 5, then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and set up on a pinnacle. Now, we read verse 5. I mean, just read verse 5. Yeah, you can read verse 5, you know. Like, oh, yeah, then the devil taking it. Okay, what's the next verse? No, no. You read verse 5, and you, and you stop, and you say, what? What did I just read? What is this? The devil taketh him up into the holy city and sets him on a pinnacle of the temple. It's like, what? Does that mean the devil took him up into the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple? And, and, and yes, that's what it means, because that's what it says. But it raises this big question. 
This is the Lord Jesus being taken by the devil and, and, and put into this specific place, a dangerous place up there. How was the devil able to do that? How was the devil able to take the Lord Jesus into the holy city? How was the devil able to set him up on a pinnacle of the temple? How was the devil able to have enough power to take the Lord Jesus into Jerusalem and set him on this high point of the temple? And there's only one answer for that. There's only one answer to that question of how was the devil able to do that. And it's interesting where the answer is found because it's actually found in a scene where the Lord Jesus gives a response to Pilate uh, before Pilate sentences him to die on the cross. And at that time, Pilate was arrogantly bragging to the Lord Jesus about the great power that he had, that he had the power to order life or death for the Lord Jesus. And, and, and so the Lord Jesus corrected his, his thinking, corrected his statement in John 19.9. In John 19.9, where the whole history is, John 19.9, when it says, and went again unto the judgment hall, this is a pilot, it went again unto the judgment hall and saith unto Jesus, whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee and have power to release thee? Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me except it were given thee from above. Now, on the surface, it appeared that Pilate, he had the power, he was using that power, to, to arrest the Lord Jesus. And he, he really had the power to determine he's going to set him free or he's going to put him to death. And on the surface, it, it, it appears as though Pilate, all he's got to do is use his thumb. You know, you live, you die. And that's the way it looked there. And he's bragging about this power that he's got. In, in verse 10 of John nineteen ten, John nineteen ten, he says, Knowest thou not that I have power? to crucify thee and have power to release thee. So, it, 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 so on the surface, Pilate looked very scary with all that power he's bragging about. But the Lord could not let Pilate get away with that. He could not let Pilate get away with that bragging. And this is when the silent Jesus, the silent Lord Jesus, breaks his silence with this, with the audacity of what Pilate has just said. I have power. So the silent Lord Jesus breaks his silence and says, no, I can't let you go on saying that unchecked. I can't let you go on saying that without setting the record straight. So this is when the silent Lord Jesus speaks in, in John 19.11. And John 19.11, and we read, Jesus answered, thou couldn't have no power against me at all, against me except it were given thee from above. So this is when, when the Lord Jesus says, you could absolutely have zero power. You could, you could have absolutely zero power against me unless that power was given to you by God. Now, that means that the only reason that Pilate had power, you know, over the life or the death over the Lord Jesus was because that power was given to him by God. And this is the explanation for how did the devil have this power to transport the Lord Jesus into Jerusalem and to put him on this high point of the temple. Only one reason. That power was given to the devil by God. So when we read this, this 
disturbing verse, which it is, in verse 5, then the devil taketh him up into a holy city, and then the devil takes Jesus up into the holy city and sets him on a pinnacle of the temple, we can say the same words of John 19.11. We can say the devil could have no power at all against the Lord Jesus except that it was given to him from above. And, and we see how all the power of the devil, and we see this very clearly in Job, in the history of Job. When the devil was requesting power against Job, power against Job, and so you had this history in Job 1.9, Job 1.9, where, where we see, then, Job 1.9, then Satan answered the Lord and said, doth Job fear God for naught? Hast thou, hast not thou made a hedge about him? and about his house, and about all that he hath on every side. Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. So the devil says to God, Look, God, you've made a hedge about uh, Job there. And everything is God. So the, so the Lord says, okay, fine, I'll give you power. I'll give you this power. And he, in verse 12, Job 1, 12, behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Now, John the Baptist also saw clearly, he realized that any power that a person has has come from God. And he spoke about that in John 3.27, John the Baptist in John 3.27, where it says, John answered and said, a man can receive nothing except it were given him from heaven. And there were those in the lifetime of the Lord Jesus who wanted to have power to kill him, several instances. And they tried and just one of those instances is recorded in John 7.30. John 7.30 where it says, They sought to take him, but no man laid hands on him because his hour was not yet come. They weren't, the reason why they couldn't kill the Lord Jesus was because power was not given to them to, to do that because it wasn't a correct time. So here's the situation with verse 5 here. Matthew 4 or 5. Here's the situation with verse 5. We look at, at verse 5 where the devil's transporting the Lord Jesus into Jerusalem and putting him on this pinnacle of the temple. And we say, oh, the devil, oh, the devil, he's so powerful. And really, honestly speaking, too much is made of the devil. He's overrated. He's overrated. Because he, he's given way too much attention. You know, on the power of the occult. Ooh, what's he doing? You know, the power of Ouija boards. Ooh, something happened, you know. I mean, the devil and the demons have no power except that God gives it to them. So th this answers, th this answers this, the, the next question from verse 5, and that's, this question is, why? why? Okay, so power came from God. Why? Why did God allow, give power to Satan to transport him into Jerusalem? Why did God give power to Satan to put him on the pinnacle of the temple? And then it, kind of following this question comes the next question is, why is the Lord so passive with all this? Why, is it, you know, why don't we just say, well, you know, he took him to the wilderness, to Jerusalem, put him on a high power, and, and it just looks like the Lord's like, well, okay, whatever, what's next? You know, why does he appear so passive? Why is he so submissive while he's being transported 
by Satan into Jerusalem and placed on the pinnacle of the temple. Why didn't the Lord resist Satan? Why don't we read something like the Lord said, you're taking me nowhere, Satan. Get thee behind me. Well, the answer to that question, and, and really this goes back to the beginning of the chapter, the beginning of the chapter, also a disturbing verse in verse 1, where when it says, then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Okay, so this is the answer. The answer to the question is because the Lord realized that it was the Holy Spirit who led him into the desert there to be tempted of the devil. And so the answer to the question is, is because the Lord realized that Satan had been given this power to transport him, this power to set him here on this pinnacle. And so this is why he is submitting to Satan's power to transport him and set him there. He's re- because he's really submitting to the power of God, to the power that God gave to Satan. And this answers the question with, that we, we look at in, in Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53, 7, where we read about his response to being crucified. In Isaiah 53, it's a sacrifice chapter. Anyway, it says in Isaiah 53, 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He's brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opens not his mouth. You know, we read that and we say, why? Why is he so submissive? Why? This is a description of the Lord during his mock trial, which was so unjust, and his crucifixion, which was so unfair. And he's silent. He's silent during all the injustice of it all. He's silent during the, all the, the, the unfairness of the execution. And the reason he was silent is because he saw that power was given to the Sanhedrin to conduct this mock trial. And power was given to Pilate to to order his torture and and death on the cross. And power was given to the soldiers to rip the flesh off his back and torture and so forth. So during it all, that's what he kept his eyes on. That's what the Lord Jesus kept his eyes on. While all this is going on, he was committing himself to God, seeing that that power was given to all of his enemies, just like it's described in 1 Peter 2.22. 1 Peter 2.22 talks about his response. It says in 1 Peter 2.22, He did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Now, this is where it comes back and gets personal with us. Because sometimes we're treated so unfairly and so many injustices are, 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 are done against us that we want to lash out with our, you can't do that to me. I'll resist you. I'll sue you. There you go. I will fill in the blank. And that's the time when we have to realize that all the power that others have to be unfair and to be unjust against it, it's all given to them by God. It's all given to them by God. And that's the time for us to emulate or copy the response of the Lord Jesus when the power of Satan was was against him, when the power of Satan comes against us. And and in verse 5, then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. Now, there's another characteristic which is interesting here of the Lord uh, during this time for us to copy, for us to emulate. I mean... Here was the Lord in the, in, the, in the desert there, 
you know, alone, isolated, separated from... Uh, and he's brought into Jerusalem, and he's put in the temple, on the highest point of the temple. So you, you kinda, we have to imagine the excitement of it all. I mean, from the nothingness happening in the wilderness to the capital in Jerusalem, with all the excitement at, at the temple, the most admired structure among the people, the temple, and not just any place in the temple, the highest point of the temple. So there's a lot of excitement here. And, and we see how the Lord is remaining calm. He's not getting all wound up, you know, but he's remaining calm. He's collected. You know, fanaticism mistakes excitement for spirituality. You know, fanaticism, it, it mistakes jumping up and down and falling over with being filled with the Spirit of God. But that's not what we see the Lord here. The Lord is very calm during all this excitement that's going on. Now, devil sets him on the pinnacle, the temple. He's up there at the highest point. And he puts him on the highest point, And then he suggests to him, jump. Jump. Why don't you jump? Why don't you jump? You ever been on top of like of a cliff or a high point, a tall bridge, and suddenly this suggestion comes, I dare you to jump. What would it be like if you jumped? I, I know you don't have that. But okay, that, anyway. But, all right. Uh, I, I need therapy. I know that. Anyway, but that urge comes from the devil. That urge comes from the devil. Well, this was a temptation of the Lord, for the Lord. And the reason for this temptation, what was the reason for it? Well, because... Um, the devil knew that, that the, the Lord was on a mission. He was on a mission. And the mission that God the Father had given to him was um, Isaiah 49.5. Isaiah 49.5 gives us the mission that, very simple, the mission that God the Father gave to God the Son when he left heaven. It says in, in, in Isaiah 49.5, And now saith the Lord that formed me, so this is God the Father speaking to the Lord Jesus Christ. And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him. To bring Jacob again to him. See, that's very simply put. That's the mission that God the Father says, okay, you're going to go to earth, and you're going to be formed in the womb, and you're going to be my servant, and your life work, your life mission is to bring Jacob again to me. Okay. So when the Lord Jesus looked at his life, as a man, he saw that I've been, I'm, a, I'm a man. I was formed from the womb to be God's servant with the key purpose to bring Jacob again to him. Now, more than anything else in life, the Lord Jesus wanted to please the Father. That's what he wanted to do more than anything else. He said that in John 8, 29. John 8, 29, when he's speaking to others, he said, he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. I do always those things that please him. That's what he wanted to do in life. Always those things that please him. I want to know, what does the Father want? I want to do that. Father wants me to bring Jacob and bend to him. I want to do that. So the Lord Jesus wants to please the Father. He's left heaven to become a man. You can imagine the, the Father you know, saying to the, to, to, to the Son, Son, the Lord Jesus, Son, bring Jacob back to me again. Son, bring the Jewish people back to me again. You can imagine this. And when the Lord Jesus leaves heaven, it's like this mission is ringing in his ears. I must bring the Jewish people back to God again. 
That's why I'm being sent to earth. And when it was suggested to him that, you know, maybe you should turn and go to the Gentiles, he replies in Matthew 15, 24, Matthew 15, 24. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So well, the problem was that it was in John 1, 11. John 1, 11, where it says, he came unto his own, the Jewish people, he came and his own received him not. They said, thanks, but no thanks. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 